I believe we can be ready for the unknown. That may sound a little paradoxical or counterintuitive, a little strange, but I think with uh, a few stories from my own life, uh, it may trigger some of your own experiences of getting ready for what is unknown. As a young baseball player, I was taught to always be anticipating possibilities in the field of play. So I needed to know what the count was, how many outs, is there anybody on base, how fast are they, what are the hitter's tendencies, is it possible the ball might be coming to me, always a possibility, what am I going to do with it? And thinking this through constantly is part of getting ready for the unknown. I had no idea what was going to happen when that ball hit the bat, if it was going to hit it at all, but I needed to be ready. As a soldier with the U.S. Army stationed in Germany, I was with 5th PSYOPs, the only psychological warfare unit in Europe and the Middle East. And in 1973, Egypt and Syria attacked Israel, and we were placed on alert, which meant for the first time in the 16 months I was over there, I needed to be dressed, packed, and ready to go at a moment's notice. It was a little scary to be listening to the news and thinking, what's going to happen? But I needed to be ready while waiting for that news. As it turned out, Israel did just fine without me. <laughs> then, I think as a responsible adult, uh, and I think many of you will relate to this, I have um, insurance in many forms, auto, house, life, health. I'm not planning on any disaster. I don't have a date set for anything that might bring that insurance into action, but I have to be ready for the unknown. It's part of life, isn't it? When you stop and think about it, that's the way we have to live. And Jesus is reminding us of that principle, especially in light of a coming crisis event, and he gives us three illustrations in this text that we can look at just briefly here to be reminded that he, first of all, talks about the days of Noah. You see, before the flood came, people were just living normal life. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, normal, ordinary life. If you read in Genesis 6, there's a lot of darkness, evil, wickedness. But Jesus just refers to people going on with their normal life. They had no idea what was coming until it came and it swept them all away. You see, there was only one group that was really ready for the flood, and that was Noah and his family. And they weren't even sure exactly when it was going to happen, but they followed the God, their God's direction in putting that ark together before it was needed. So the days of Noah becomes the first illustration. The next one are these two men in the field, two women grinding their meal. If you were to look at them in the text with the simplicity of this little illustration, you couldn't tell the difference between the two, and they're just doing normal, ordinary things. Nothing special, nothing evil, nothing extraordinary, just normal, everyday life. 
but one is taken and one is left, and clearly one of them is ready and the other isn't. And then finally is the illustration of the owner of the house and the thief. You see, if the owner of the house had just checked his text messages, he might have seen that the thief had given him some warning. No, that's just not the way it goes. There is no warning when a thief comes. It catches you off guard, and apparently there's no security system, there's no insurance, and he's in a bad way. You see, Jesus is telling us all these pictures to tell us it's important to be ready even for what's unknown. What do we know about this unknown event? Well, we do know that it's certain. There seems to be no question about if it's going to happen. It's just a matter of, of when. It's, it's a certain event. Also, if you're catching the drift of these stories and of this context, it's a crisis event, a flood, a separation, a break-in. It's not all pleasant stuff, friends. It's, it's a crisis that's going to be divisive and decisive. It's a judgment. That's part of what this text is speaking to. It's a certain event. It's a crisis event. It's a, it's a coming. It's a coming of a particular sort, way more important than any of the word pictures from my life or that Jesus uses. This is referred to as the coming of the Son of Man. Woven through these stories four times, it's the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite title for himself, the coming of the Lord. And he's speaking here on earth to his disciples. He's in the flesh, so he's already come once, and he's speaking of another coming out in the future. How do we get ready for this kind of certain crisis that's coming? How do we get ready for that? Well, I think believers in the church down through the ages have stumbled on one thing. They've thought, well, let's set a date and be ready for that date. And we've tried it again and again and again to set a date thinking if only we're ready then, he'll come. And there's a long track record of unfulfilled attempts to put a date on when Christ comes. If you'd like to check out my file, in my lifetime, I've kept those rumors just as a reminder that Jesus is saying very clearly here, nobody knows when. So let's not get caught up in that. In fact, I'm humbled by the fact that there were lots of prophecies about Jesus' first coming. Lots of details spelled out. Some have even seen some timeline, and, and we would think that everyone would be waiting in Bethlehem for him to arrive, but the truth is only a few recognized his first coming. Most people went on living life normally for years after that. There was on the other end of the bell curve maybe a, a few who were resistant to his coming, and those people are the ones with the most access to the Old Testament teachings about this coming Messiah. They were the, the religious leaders, and they resisted his coming. So if you look at that coming, it brings a certain amount of humility for us to sit here looking at the next coming and to realize, you know, even with all the even more texts of Scripture that we have to pile about that 
that crisis event in the future, let's give up trying to set a date. There's got to be some other way to get ready for this. If Jesus is saying, be, be ready for the unknown, how do we do that? Well, I would like to suggest a few things from these windows, these illustrations, these stories that Jesus gives us. See if this, if this helps you get ready for his coming. One is enter the ark. You need to know that right from the beginning, right from the first century, even from the writings of Peter, Noah's ark was used as a picture of Christ's salvation. And the idea is, is trust Christ, get on board, and avoid the, the disastrous flood. And so when we're looking ahead to, to God's judgment, we don't have to face that if we're safe in the ark through faith in Christ. He is the ark. Enter the ark would be my first recommendation. If you want to be ready for the certain coming crisis, get on the ark. There's a great prayer I would highly recommend, and I found myself often quoting it in this season. It comes from our favorite Christmas carol, and it goes like this, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. You see, people who have prayed that prayer not just sung the, the tune mindlessly planning their week, but people who've prayed that prayer are ready in a way that those who've never prayed it will never be. And so this is the important first step, is enter the ark. I would next encourage you to embrace the separation. It's a tough picture, but this is part of the truth that the scriptures, Jesus himself teaches is that there are really two humanities. And they're not divided by gender, or age, or nationalities, or by economics, or politics, or any other way of dividing that we often get focused on. The Bible presents two humanities. One believes in Jesus, they've entered the ark, and they have eternal life. The other humanity, does not believe in Jesus, and they're, they're headed toward, of their own choice, eternal separation from God and punishment. That's the story that Jesus is telling throughout this whole context, is there's a separation that's sobering, but it should be a reminder to those of us on the ark before the flood comes that there's still time. Let's Let's share through our life and through our words. Let's share with others around us, those we're out in the field with, those we're grinding meal with, those we're living with, loving, working, playing with. We should be quick to share through our life and through gracious words. Come on board. Uh, come enter the ark. Be saved. The separation calls us to do that, and that's a way of getting ready. Not just being ready ourselves, but inviting others to be ready with us. And then finally, this image of the owner and the thief reminds me that we should expect the thief. Now, Jesus is the thief in here, but you need to know, not in the sense of being a bad guy who's trying to rip you off. 
He's a thief, if you look closely, he's a thief in that he comes at an unexpected hour. That's the principle of the story. That's why that image is used. Jesus is a good guy, and he doesn't want to rip you off, but he's coming at an unexpected hour. Expect him. The way to be ready is to be constantly expecting him, maybe today. Maybe Y3K or way out in the future. Who knows? But we should be ready today. And I would suggest those who are looking for him, longing for him, are more ready than those who are fearful of him. The text in Revelation gives us that contrast. One group, the martyrs, are saying, how long, Lord? Come quickly. Set things right. We need your justice. Those are people trusting Jesus and his ability to save and to put things back together the way they're supposed to. They're wanting him to come. Where others are saying to the rocks and the mountains, fall on us. We don't want to face this kind of ruling judgment and justice of God. We don't want that. The question is, where are you when you think of Christ coming again? Is that a lovely thought or a scary thought? Those in the ark aren't concerned about his coming. And I would invite you to kind of gauge your own readiness by just how, how much is your heart longing for Christ to come and set things straight. Even as we come to the table later in the service, we rehearse a lot of these same principles. We, we look back on Jesus, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death for our sins. We look back and remember that. We also do it communally and we look around and we see others who are trusting Christ and remembering him with us. And then we look ahead, even as the Apostle Paul says, till he comes. We look ahead and long for that wedding supper of the Lamb in the future. And so all of these mysteries are rehearsed at this table. And I say, even here, let's be ready for the unknown. There's a mystery, God in flesh, God in bread and cup. God in coming glory. Let's remember him. Amen. God, would you come? Meet us here even at this table. We want to be ready. We want to be remembering. We want to be looking forward to your coming. We pray it in Christ's name.